good morning. I'm hoping uh, everyone's having a great day today. Uh, we are excited to get started here today. Um, I do hear myself running, so we are going to go ahead and jump right in and get started. We have a lot of stuff to cover today. I had some computer issues this morning. I had to get resolved, and uh, I had to switch over to a secondary computer and uh, get my bandwidth up where I needed to be. Last week, a little bit jumpy, so I didn't like it, so I um, uh, switched over to a new computer today. So I'm running two different computers, and hopefully uh, this will work out for you. So before we get started, let's start off with, well, let's start. Welcome today to The Battles Within. We are continuing our study entitled, Who is Jesus? This is session number 13. It's part B of the temptation, or as we say, the testing of Jesus. Uh, hopefully we'll finish it today. We have a lot of material to cover, so uh, we're going to jump right in. But first things first, we want to give a word of prayer and let Lord take over and let him say what he wants said during this uh, uh, 30, 45 minutes presentation. You ready? Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have that we can come to this medium and we can share the gospel. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and for us understanding who Jesus is. Lord, we realize that's the most important question that anybody can ask. For, Lord, our eternal destiny is based upon what we know of Jesus, whether we accept him as a personal Savior or we just ignore him. Lord, unfortunately, there are people that know who he is but still reject him. I pray for those souls today. I pray, Lord, for the world that we live in, that where wrong is right and right is wrong where people stand up for the truth of your word and that they're seen as uh, uh, hate mongers or they're seen as uh, prejudice towards one or another for these, these organizations and these uh, people who are not living in accordance with the scripture. Lord, I pray that you always help us as Christians to stand up for what is right, to call sin, sin, even when others accept it openly. I pray, Lord, you help us so to understand that that's the sin and not the sinner. That, Lord, sinners are in need of a Savior. And, Lord, there's no telling what weird things people can do when they don't follow Christ, when your Holy Spirit's not leading them in the way. So I pray for them now. But I pray, Lord, now as we study the conclusion of this, the temptation that you went through or the testing that you went through, Lord, that we can glean the truth and knowledge from your word. Again, thank you, Lord, for all you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Okay. Just a real quick review from last week. Uh, we want to review the, uh, 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 let's review this a little bit about the, the, the baptism. Because, again, the baptism, remember, the baptism, it had to be done before the testing or testing could take place. Um. Let me get my mouse working here properly. Uh, just remember that the um, that the the baptism of Jesus was about the contract that Jesus signed through his actions. Uh, Jesus is to take the place of sinful humanity, die for their sins. That's him going into the water. Dying for his sins is him being buried under the water. And then being raised again to new life. That's what God would do. God would raise his son from the life because he would accept the sacrifice. And then the Holy Spirit came down and sealed it. 
saying that he approved it. The contract we know was accepted uh, in all, it was seen as accepted in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know Jesus died for our sin, was buried, rose the third day to show us that God accepted his son's sacrifice. And therefore, we can be resurrected because he was resurrected. That's what we call the redemption contract. Now, once that contract was signed and the plan approved, Jesus had to be tested to show that he was worthy to fulfill the challenge. And this testing actually took place by Satan himself, as we saw in last week's lesson. We'll see Jesus is tested with human desires that we all face. Uh, that's his connection to our temptation, was that he was tested with all the desires that we are tested with. He wasn't tempted because you cannot tempt God. God's not tempted with evil. So there's no way Jesus could be tempted, but he had to be tested to see that his humanity would not override his divinity. So, but And we see, to make it fair, uh, Jesus actually, God, the Holy Spirit, it wasn't Jesus, now understand, because it says to us that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit wanted to ensure to the world and to all of us that Jesus was ready that Jesus was worthy, that Jesus was able to accomplish the task. And so Jesus allowed himself to be uh, uh, starved for 40 days and 40 nights. We know you say, well, that's impossible. Men can only live with water in so many days. And let me tell you, we know this happened before. It happened with Moses. It happened with Elijah. We know that it's happened before. Yes, it's a miraculous thing that took place. But God allowed that to take place to weaken Jesus' body so that his body would be as weak as it could be and subjected, if it was ever going to be subjected to temptation, now would be the time. So we saw that. But we again remember understand that Jesus was tested, not tempted. Uh, and, and because of that temptation, Jesus came as a man to fulfill the laws of God and to be the sacrifice for sin. He didn't use his power while here on earth at all. All of his power he did through the Holy Spirit. When he cast out demons, he did it through the Holy Spirit's power, not his own. Uh, uh, he did say that no one can take my life from me, but I'll lay it down. If I lay it down, I have the power to take it again unto myself, because he is God. But we see that Jesus subjected himself. He submitted himself to the life and living in that body. So therefore, whenever he fought against the whole against Satan with these trials or these tests, that to us would have been temptation, but to him were trials. Interesting enough, in life, we experience opportunities for testing. God allows us to be in situations of testing. Unfortunately, they become temptations for us. They become temptation not because of God wanting us to be tested and tried of our faith, but because we are weak. And we are drawn away of the lust of our own hearts and enticed. And when sin hath con when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. So we see that we can be tested, and that test becomes a temptation. Satan wanted to tempt Jesus, but in reality he could only test him. So, 
We know that uh, but Jesus came to resist the temptation of man or the trying or the testing, and he had to do it by the same means that mankind did. He had to resist the devil the same way you and I resist the devil. He had to use his humanity and the methods that we use today that God gives us. Jesus wanted to give us an example to prove his worthiness as a man. He did not call upon himself any special powers. Could Jesus have snuffed Satan out in a second? Sure he could have. He's God. And we know ultimately God will destroy Satan and cast him into the lake of fire to, to be tormented forever. We know that day is coming. God could do it any time. Uh, but we see that he submitted himself to the lowliest state of man. And therefore, he his, his, when we see how he battled against the temptations in today's lessons, we will see that he did so just like you and I can. He gave us an example of how we can endure temptations. All right. Um, let me just jump on down here to get started. We know that the temptation was done at the will of, of the Holy Spirit, as seen in Matthew 4.1. In Matthew 4.1, it says, Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. See, the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness. It was not the devil. The devil did not put him in the testing ground. God put him in the testing ground. Let me tell you folks, as we study in prove ourselves to God, God will give us an opportunity to show that we are strong. He did that with Job. Remember, Job was doing well. And uh, uh, Satan said, hey, Job wouldn't do well if you gave him these tests. If you put him in these temptations and these tests and these trials, he won't forget you. God said, not Job, he won't do that. So he allowed him to take his family, take his wealth, take his health, Take everything he had, and he never. Job said this, though he may slay me, yet will I serve him. See, Job said, I'm going to serve God no matter what. God gave him an opportunity to be tested. Yes, Satan tried to tempt him, but it was not a temptation for Job. It was only the testing. See, God sometimes puts us in that place. God drives us into the wilderness. God drives us into locations where we have to rely upon him. What do you do in those situations? Do you rely upon God or do you reject it? Do you fall to temptation? I'm sad to say I fall to temptations many times, don't you? Uh, we have opportunities to do things the right way and still we do them the wrong way. We have an opportunity to be kind to someone who's mean to us and instead we're mean back to them, you know? Uh, we have opportunities to share the gospel with people who reject the gospel. But we don't do that. We give opportunities. So the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says afterwards he was a hungry. So we see now the first temptation. Now, the temptation of Jesus, or I'll, I'll, I don't like using the word temptation because you can't tempt God. The first testing of Jesus was done and there's two different passages. Matthew includes it, and Mark, I mean, Luke includes details. Now, it is interesting to note that, obviously, God, Jesus told them about the temptations because only Jesus was there. So the information that we're getting here from Matthew, 
was given to him from Jesus himself. And no doubt uh, Luke had learned this information, perhaps from the apostles themselves also, in secondhand information. Matthew was clearly witness to Jesus telling him about it. Whereas Luke, on the other hand, probably got the information from either Paul or the other apostles. Because Paul was a, I mean, Luke, remember, was a Gentile physician who was with the days of Paul. Luke is a very detail-oriented uh, writer of the gospel and provides us details that the others did not because he did a lot of investigative reporting. But here in this case, we do find a deviation here between the two in one small area that we'll get to that when we get there. But let's look first at the, so I'm going to basically look at Matthew's gospel for this because it follows in line, Luke follows in line with them, and I assume Matthew got it directly from Jesus. So here we go, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says, And when the tempter came, and Luke says, And the devil said unto him, so we know that the tempter was the devil, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we see the first temptation. It says, When the tempter came. Note, Matthew wrote, When the tempter came in our lives. It's not a question of if the tempter will come, but when he will come. We face temptations every day until we go to glory, don't we? We will face those trials. Let's call them trials. We're only tempted when we're tempted of our own lust and enticed. That's when we are tempted of our own lust and enticed. But let's don't make them temptations. Let's make them trials. Let's make them testing of our faith, which produces more faith and more strength. But the tempter will come to tempt us. Spurgeon said it this way, But let us do what we will, we shall be tempted. God had one son without sin, but he never had a son without temptation, or as we said, testing. Then he says, If you are the son of God, that's what Satan said. Now, the question is more literally, since you're the son of God, because Satan obviously knew this was the son of God. There was not a question about that. You know, so he said, really, if you think about it, what he what he really said in the in the original language would have been, you know, if you are the son of God, uh, it it was more since you are the son of God. So he knew he was. You know, I said, well, you know, if you're the son of God, you know, it, well, if you're if you are a Christian, not questioning you're a Christian, it's saying if you're a Christian, this is what you would do, right? This is what you're going to be doing. So he said to him, you know, if you're the son of God, since you know you are the son of God, one of those type of things. Satan didn't question Jesus' deity. He challenged him to prove it or to demonstrate it through some miraculous works. Since you're the son of God, show us that you, you're the son of God. You need to show that you're the son of God. You have all this power. You have all this, uh, all this ability you need to show that you're the Son of God. He challenged him. And so he says, command these stones become bread. Now, this was a test or a would have been a temptation to normal men because they were, he was starving. 
Men would do anything. Many years ago, you know, there was a uh, there was a story of a uh, of a plane that crashed in the mountains uh, in the uh, wilderness in the mountain the mountainous range, and uh, the people were left starving to death, and uh, people died, and and it to survive, some of these people became cannibals. They had to eat the other people. Now, that's a horrible thing for them to have to do. Uh, but when people are starving, they eat anything. Remember the uh, Jewish, the Jews in the, the, the nation of Judah, when they were encamped and starving to death, they actually, some of them actually killed their children and ate them. Uh, a lot of them were eating bird dung. I uh, said so a bird dung was actually going for like a day's wages or something. I mean, it was horrible. When you're starving, you do all kinds of things. And Jesus hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. So clearly, this is an avenue that Satan felt like he could pursue. You know, Satan will pursue avenues in your life where you're the weakest. Things that you're weak at. If you have problems with alcohol, don't go near it. Flee from it. If you have problems with lust and 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 uh, and uh, uh, improper uh, faults, then don't watch it on TV or don't go around where places are like that. Don't be involved in things like that. Flee from it. If you have a problem with that, fight against it. Don't put it in your life. Take it out of your life. Uh, sometimes we have to take people out of our lives. Sometimes people are bad for us. Sometimes people draw us into the wrong things. Well, here Jesus was starving. And so, therefore, the, the, the tempter, Satan, said, command that these stones become bread. Now, the reason why this was a temptation was because he wanted Jesus to use his powers um, for selfish purposes. Now, understand, remember, Jesus didn't use his powers on earth at all. Satan wanted him to use his powers. He didn't want him to use the power of the Holy Spirit. He wanted him to use his powers. He wanted, But that would have violated his ability to be equal with man, wouldn't it? Think about it. If, if, if I could use supernatural powers, I would be what? Supernatural, right? I would not be a man. I would be a supernatural. So for Jesus to have commanded these stones to be made bread... He would have lost his ability to have been a, a, a sacrifice for us because he would now have identified himself as a supernatural. Not living like we do, but living like a supernatural. Satan knew that. So Satan was trying to uh, get Jesus to do something harmful, just create some bread. He's suggesting that, that, that he uses miraculous power to provide food for himself. What's wrong with that? How is that wrong? How is that sinful to make food? I mean, that sounds okay, doesn't it? Just make some food for yourself. See, this wasn't, and this wasn't uh, uh, the temptation to, to miraculously create great riches or luxuries, but only to create bread. Uh, Bible has many accounts where uh, provisions that some at the hands of Jesus where he created things. A Holy Spirit did it through him, not he himself, as we've seen already. Uh, yet, Jesus would not command these stones become bread, especially 
at the uh, instigation of Satan. I mean, if Satan tells you to do something, he's not telling you to do it because he likes you, because he wants to make your life better. If Satan or if you feel the evil tug of the evil spirits telling you to do something, you have to debate it? Don't debate it. Run from it. Jesus knew Satan was not here for his, for his benefit. Satan was here to try to destroy what he came to do. Um, it does appear that Jesus was tested through his strengths and his gifts. You know, would he allow his strengths to become a trap? Would Jesus allow himself to perform miracles here in his own name for his own purpose to satisfy his own needs? Then how can he sacrifice for man's needs? Spurgeon said, he bid the Lord prove his sonship by catering for himself. And yet that would have been the surest way to prove that he was not the son of God. See, because God, if this man, 100% man, 100% God, if this man was God, if this man was the son of God, then this man would not fall to the wiles of the devil. Now, this is a similar temptation or test or trial that was presented to Jesus on the cross. Remember, Matthew 27, 39 says, and they passed by, they that passed by re reviled him. This is when Jesus was hanging on the cross wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Could Jesus have come down from the cross in a moment, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye? 10,000 legions of angels, no doubt, camped around him, waiting for him to just, just utter a flinch of saving him. And they would have been there on the spot. But then he would not have been our Savior. See, Satan knew that if Jesus did something for himself, then he would not have been worthy to do it for us. He said, but Jesus answered and said, now he didn't disagree. He didn't silently disagree with Satan. He spoke out. We should speak out when we are faced with these temptations and say, no, I'm not going to be tempted with that. You know, if we're on a diet and we're sitting around and somebody offers you a piece of cake, no, don't just say, just say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to lose weight and I'm not going to do that. That's not worth it for me. Yes, I'd love to have it, but I'm not going to have it because to do that would defeat my purpose. And for Jesus to have made these stones into bread would have defeated his purpose. So how did Jesus defend himself? How did Jesus fight against this? Well, we see it says, Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy father know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. See, Jesus here said, mankind, it's not the bread, it's not that, it's not those nourishments of this world that makes you what you need to be, but by the word of God, by the word that God speaks. That's, you don't just live by your nutrients, you've got to live by the word of God. 
Jesus shows that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God should be more precious to us than food itself. That's why people fast and pray. Putting their body under subjection to the will of the Father. I need to do more of that, to be honest with you. That's not something that I do on a regular basis, and I need to set myself. Now, when I do it, I don't need to tell anybody about it. You know, a lot of people want to fast and pray. They we're on fasting day of fasting prayer. And they want to look like they're sad and hungry because they want to get man's sympathy. They want to shine in the face of man. You shouldn't do that. If you want to fast and pray, don't tell anybody you're doing it. Just do it. But Jesus said that more precious than the food itself. What Satan suggested made sense. Why starve yourself to death? But what's written makes even more sense. Uh, a famous, uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, commentators I read named Bruce stated, hunger represents human wants. And the question was whether sonship was to mean exemption from these or loyal acceptance of them as part of the Messiah's experience. Hunger was a part of mankind especially in the day of Jesus. And for him to associate with man, he had to feel the pangs of hunger and thirst. It isn't that Jesus refused supernatural help in feeding himself. We know that he was more than happy to eat what the angels brought to him after the testing was over. That's in Matthew 4.11. So it wasn't that. It wasn't a matter of refusing supernatural help. It was a matter of submitting to his father's timing and will in all things. Jesus assumed the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness for a purpose. And if Jesus, if God sends you into the wilderness for a purpose, I assure you, he will take care of you. He will provide your needs. You don't need to wait for Satan to tell you what to do. Don't let the testing, time of testing, defeat you. Go through the valley because God has great blessings, abundant blessings for you on the other side. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus was not going to fall prey to the Satan. And he used the scripture to defend his to defend it. The phrase, it is written, by relying on the power and the truth of God's word, Jesus was willing to fight his battle as a man. He could have easily rebuked Satan, like we said, and he could have he had the power instead of to resist him in a way that we can imitate. He, he gave us the ability. He showed us a way that we can imitate him by using the scripture to fight against Satan. So Jesus used the scripture to battle Satan's temptation. Not some elaborate spiritual power inaccessible to us. Jesus fought this battle as fully man. He drew no special resources unavailable to us. If he had, he would not have been us. Uh, the Spurgeon stated, Outflash the sword of the Spirit. Our Lord will fight with no other weapon. He could have spoken new revelations, but chose to say, It is written. He used the word that was already done. Jesus could have stood against Satan with a display of his own glory. Yeah, he could have stood against Satan with logic and reason. Instead, Jesus used the word of God as a weapon against Satan. You know, we can effectively resist Satan the same way Jesus did. You know, we can counter Satan's seductive lies by shining the light on God's truth 
by using the word of God. You know, if we're ignorant of the truth, we can't, uh, we're poorly armed to fight against it. You know, as we said before, that uh, uh, Governor Huckabee was talking about somebody that used foul language and he asked him, they asked him about the foul language about the former president and he said, if it ain't in you, it can't come out of you. Well, that's true of the positive too. If the word of God ain't in you, it can't come out of you. We need to study to show ourselves to prove a workman worthy of our heart. We need to study the word daily and allow it to meditate upon it. So now we come to the second temptation. Matthew 4, 5 through 7 says, The devil taketh him up in the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in thy hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thy dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, this is where Luke and Matthew disagree on the second verse, the second verse of the third. Now, I believe Luke listed the temptations. He did not necessarily intend them to be in a particular order. He listed the three temptations. I believe Matthew listed them in a specific order because, as we know, the reason we can see after the second temptation in Luke, Jesus tells Satan to get thee behind me or leave me. So that would have ended the temptations. And so, because Jesus did not tolerate Satan's request to serve any other God. That would have been the final straw. Listen, I'm willing to listen to you, Satan, a little while, but when you start blaspheming God the Father, I'm not going to put up with it. So I think Matthew was in the right sequence, so we're studying Matthew. So it said, Then the devil taketh him up to the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now, Satan looked at Jesus, took Jesus, and miraculously took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Now, this the temple rose some 200 feet from the floor of the Kidron Valley. It's pretty high. You know, a leap from there and the appearance of the promiscenic protection would be a remarkable, remarkable spectacle, right? If Jesus was to jump off there and the angels swoop down and save him, the whole world would know that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Holy One of God because the angels would protect him. And he said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Again, Satan did not doubt that Jesus was the Son of God. He knew he was. But he really said, Since you're the Son of God, here's a way to show the world right now who you are. Satan, Satan tempted Jesus to force the Father into supernatural events. Satan appealed to every desire. He appeared to the desire of hunger, so I would write. Now he appeals to the desire that we all have. And that's the sense of approval from God to have the approval publicly demonstrated. We all want to be approved of God. You know what? We all want to be approved of God. You say, what about the atheists? What about those people that hate God? In reality, they want to be approved by God. They may not agree on the God. Some of them think themselves to be God. Some think society's God. Some think humanities are God. You have humanists. They want to be approved by man. Uh, the 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 you know the the different people, different religions want to be approved by their God. <coughs> man wants to be approved by God. They want to be seen. They want to be recognized publicly that they are right with their God whoever that God may be. Like I said, humanists want to be right with their God. That's why they believe in, the, in all the things that they believe in. 
uh, all the 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 abominations in the eyes of God. Um, the uh, uh, the the scholar France said the devil's suggestions were of an artificial created crisis, not of trusting God in the situation, which results from obedient service. So he said what he wanted to do was he wanted Jesus to force God into recognizing him at this point in time. Now, Satan was appealing to the desire in all of us to show the world that we are important to God. We are important to God. By the way, we are important to God. So important that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. So in Jesus' case, would show the world that Jesus was really who he said he was and that he was, in fact, God. Now, this was the very method that the false messiahs of their day were doing. They were proclaiming themselves to be gods and doing things. So the problem was these pretenders offered, sensational, uh, offered sensationalism that they could not perform. But we know Jesus could have performed anything that he promised because he was God. And the question is, why should he not do it? You know, why should he not do it? Jesus just had this kind of spectacular demonstration at his baptism, right? In Matthew 3, 17, Jesus gives the answer. For it is written, actually the devil says, so the devil says, you know what? You're using the word of God, he said. Let me use the word of God for you, see? The devil said, it is written. The devils can use the phrase. The devil surely knows the Bible better than we do. Hey, he's got it memorized. Matter of fact, he's an expert at quoting it out of context. Uh, so in Psalms 91, the Bible tells us, he's quoting Psalms 91, and this is what Psalms 91 says, 11 12. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thy dash thy foot against the stone. But what does Satan read it as? He shall give his angel charge oak concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thy dash thy foot against the stone. What did he leave out? What did he leave out? He left out to keep you in all your ways. So Jesus basically tells Jesus that according to the scripture, you can go ahead and do that, and show the world who you are. You can reveal yourself today in a spectacular way. The problem was he left out to keep you in all your ways. To test God in this way was not the way of Jesus. It was not the way of the Messiah or the Savior. God had never promised nor ever given any protection of angels in a sinful or unforbidden ways. See, Jesus understood that the importance of declaring the complete truth of God's word and not leaving out anything. See, he knew what he left out because Jesus knew the truth. Paul stated in Acts 20, 26-27, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. And why was he pure? For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. See, deceitful men only give part of the scripture. Jesus knew that Satan was twisting this passage in Psalm 91. 
You know, Jesus knew how to rightly divide the truth of the word. As Timothy, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Stay to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. Sadly, isn't it sadly that many will believe anyone who quotes from the Bible anything? Preachers can stand up there and read a passage of scripture and then go off on a tangent on something totally different. Churches today can agree to all kinds of alternative lifestyles and abortion on demand and use the scripture to support it. They're not rightly dividing the word of God when they do that. They're taking out parts of the scripture and the Bible tells us their part will be taken out of the Lamb's book of life. And they've added things to the book. It said all the plagues of the book will be added to them. There is danger in not doing the right thing. Jesus rightly knew how to rightly divide the word of God and to tell the whole truth, as Paul said. Now, we as Christians need to know the Bible for ourselves and not be deceived. That's why it's important. When you're in church and you're in the preaching service, get your Bibles out. Read what the Bible says. Back up a little bit and forward if you say, I don't know if that's what that's trying to say. See, we should be challenged by the word. The preaching is a challenge to you to better understand his word, not to accept what the preacher says wholeheartedly without any thoughts involved. Now, when I preach, obviously I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is in me and I'm saying what he wants me to say. Hopefully all preachers are that way. We pray they are that way, but some are not. Some of them are lying spirits. Jesus said to him, it is written again. Again, Jesus using the scripture. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He replied again using De Deuteronomy, this time 6.16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, Jesus knew that attempting to force or manipulate God the Father into such a demonstration would, um, would tempt God, which the scripture strictly forbid. This warned us against demanding something spectacular from God to prove his love or concern for us. Listen, Jesus already, God already gave us the most important demonstration of his love he could ever give. Romans 5, 8. But God committed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're a sinner today, if you're involved in these alternative lifestyles or you're involved, you've, been, you've had uh, stuff involved in abortion or all these other things out there that are abomination to God, God died for you on the cross for your sins already. See, we can hate the sin, but not the sinner. God loves you. And if God loves you, we love you. We feel for you. We, 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 we feel sadness that you don't know the truth, that you're living in a life of a lie. Jesus knew that. God loved us enough to give us that. We don't need him to prove anything else. Jesus didn't need him to prove his love for him. Jesus knew that the Father loved him. And he the Father. He can do nothing more spectacular than that. So the focus again was on the relationship to God. As the Son of God, he could indeed confidently claim the physical protections that God promised in Psalms 91. Sure he could. The Son of God can live only, though, in the relationship of trust, which needs no test. Jesus trusted God to take care of him. We as Christians can trust God to take care of us. Even when the situation looks dire, 
God is on the throne. God, we can trust God. Trusting God, we can trust him today. Trust him with our eternity. Trust him for all. Do like Job says, though he may slay me, yet will I trust in him. The third temptation, as we hurry. Again, the devil taketh him, Matthew 8, 10. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory of them, and said to them, all these things which I give thee, wilt thou fall down and worship me? Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt, thou, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only thou shalt serve. <clears throat> we see again the devil taketh him to an exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, is this a physical? I think the first one was physically took him to the top of the mountain because he wanted him to cast himself down. Was this physical or was this a vision? I, I don't know. It said again he takes him to an exceeding high mountain, right? Exceeding high mountain. So maybe there's a there was a mountain in that day that could see the major kingdoms of the world. I don't know. But it said he saw all the kingdoms of the world. And therefore we must accept it as non-physical, right? Because if he saw all the kingdoms of the world, we couldn't see that. Now, the location is not listed except to note that it could show him all the kingdoms at the same time. You know, we can't exactly say how Satan could show this, but we can say for certain that what Satan did not show Jesus, he didn't show him the sin of the world. He did not show him the sinfulness of these great nations. Look at America today and the sin that is it is embraced. And under our new, under our today, government today, look at the sin that we embrace. Look at the, the, the immorality that we propagate and we legalize. I mean, you know, that's horrifying. So Jesus said, said, and said unto him, all these things, Satan said, and all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, Satan knew why Jesus came to earth. He came to get back that which was lost, the souls of man. See, Satan offered Jesus a shortcut around the cross. Listen, I can give you this whole world. I can give you all of these things here, all of this stuff. I'll give it back to you. Satan would make a deal with the man Jesus that could prevent him from sacrificing himself. Listen, instead of going through all that problem and dying on the cross and doing all those things, I can make a deal with you today, Jesus. If you only fall down and worship me, I will give you all that I have. Now, Jesus had to do, all Jesus had to do was give Satan what he has been longing for ever since he fell from glory. And that was worship and recognition from God himself. This is the revealing insight into Satan's heart. See, Satan wants worship and recognition far more than anything the possessions of the world. He realized that the possessions of the world are fleeting. He wants to be worshipped and recognized as God himself. And he, he remember, he was the one who said in Isaiah 14, 20, in Isaiah 14, 12 to 14, this is what he said. And the Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne over the stars of God. 
I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be made like the most high. That is Satan's desire. So Satan says, listen, and then he says, I will give you, he said. Evidently, Satan had the authority over the world. You know, temptation would not have been real unless he could have done what he said. Does Satan possess all the kingdoms of the world? Remember, Adam and his descendants gave the devil this authority. God gave Adam the earth in Genesis 1.28, but Adam willingly turned it over to Satan. Mankind has continued that contract by sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there's none righteous, no, not one. We continue down that pathway of giving our possessions, our recognition to the to the the, the 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 devil himself. Of course, ultimately, all things belong to God. And God allows Satan to function as the God of this age. God, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 said, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over all the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. See, God gave this to them. Why is the fallen in the world of the mess? Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only thou shalt serve. See, Jesus said, this is the final straw. You can test me, Jesus said, but you cannot blaspheme the Lord. You can test me, but don't you dare blaspheme God. He said, get thee hence, Satan. Away with you, Satan, he says. Jesus basically says, enough is enough. You have gone too far. And what did he say? For it is written, again, he uses the scripture, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thy serve. You know, Jesus held out like he started out. He commanded the devil to leave. In the same way we can resist the devil, he will flee from you. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, it worked for Jesus and the devil left him and it worked for us. The temptation of Jesus reminds us that there is no sin to be tempted or to be tested. It's falling to that test. Uh, so now we see in Matthew 4.11, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. The devil believes him means that Jesus won. He won because he recognized Satan's mode of attacks was lies and deception. Primarily, Satan is a deceiver, and for those who live in light of the cross, deception is his only tool. Demonic power can have nothing over us uh, because the weapons of the power of the cross, 2 Corinthians, I mean, Colossians 2.15, and having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. See, we can overcome the world through Jesus Christ. His power cannot have power over us unless we submit to it. But deception is extremely effective at leading us into sin. Jesus showed the only effective counter to deception is God's truth, not man's wisdom. First, we must see temptation for what it is, a lie. Then we must combat temptation with the word of God. Then we must always build ourselves up in truth and have it in our hearts. If it ain't in you, it can't come out of you. And finally, he says, and behold, angels came and ministered to them. See, God never forsakes those 
who endure through the temptations or trials. Even as the angels came and ministered to, to Jesus, God will find a way to minister to us to meet our needs as we endure temptations. These spiritual beings were always there if needed, but not seen until the test was over. You know, the Holy Spirit, God gives angels to protect us, and they're there waiting to help us. In conclusion, let's look at Luke 4, 15 through 7, 14 through 15. And Jesus returned to the power of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in the Galilee. After the testing, he had the power. He proved himself worthy. You know, when you get through temptation and you endure temptation, you have an up bar. You kind of got an extra adrenaline, a power of the Holy Spirit. It said, and there came out fame of him through all the regions round about. And he taught them in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Having been tested and proven, Jesus now prepared to begin his ministry with power from the Holy Spirit. His excellent knowledge of the word that proved to provide him with that, with what man can use in one's own ministry. Next week, we're going to begin looking at Jesus' final preparation for ministry, including gathering his disciples. I know this time is long, and we're going to go ahead and pray. But thank you for being here today, and we look forward to next week as we continue to study on who is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the great things you do for us, Lord. I thank you for us being able to endure temptation because of your word. Because we study and, and be able to apply your word in our lives. Help us, Lord, to get us in us so it can get out of us. Help us to study and show ourselves to prove a workman who is worthy of our hire. I thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. I pray now that we be an example before others and succeed through the test that comes our way so that we can trust you, show, demonstrate our trust for you. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. I do thank you for your time for your attention today. And uh, I just want to say that uh, uh, I hope that you continue to down this journey with us. We are just uh, just finished, like I said, the temptation, and we have a long ways to go in the life of Jesus. So I thank you for being with us and look forward to seeing you next week.